Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and this week we're going to be talking to Neon Warlords, a band you are going to want to hear more of. Before we get to that, I got just a couple little housekeeping things. Uh, Of course, I want to mention the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, where this week reviews of the AEW ringside exclusive Jurassic Express 2-pack went up, as well as a review, a really fun review, of Buzzsaw Hordak from Masters of the Universe Origins. It's always weird when I do just like one basic, like it's not basic, it's a deluxe figure, but you know what I mean? It's kind of a, a regular retail figure. But this was a really fun review and a really fun figure. Uh, and then, of course, the Jurassic Express 2-pack. Uh, it's it's awesome. So check those out. Check out all of the toy reviews that are available. I don't even know how many are up there now. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, Needless Things YouTube channel. It is uh, probably my favorite thing that I do now. I, I still love the podcast and I always will. But doing those toy reviews, uh, I just really have a blast doing that. And I've found a way that it's practical for me to do it. Uh, also, please join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group. Uh, you can suggest things, give input, take part in polls, uh, do whatever. Just just uh, chat it up with us about what we do on the show. You can tell I'm, I'm using all the catchphrases from all the podcasts I listen to. Uh, I am in day one of my one of my five day stretches. That's five 12 hour shifts at my dreadfully uh exhausting job uh and i i've been the the two podcast okay three three podcasts i've been listening to more than anything else lately um the new my world jeff jarrett podcast because i've i've been a fan of jeff jarrett for a very very long time i, I was a huge fan of tna from 2002 until probably 2010-ish uh, my friends and I started watching the TNA weekly pay-per-views on the third one and every Wednesday night for however long they lasted because I remember when they stopped we were devastated or at least I was devastated uh, but every Wednesday night we would all get together watch the TNA pay-per-view and then play whatever wrestling game we were playing at the time starting with No Mercy uh, moving on to the SmackDown games. Here comes the pain. I think we made it to SmackDown versus Raw. Uh, because we did continue playing the games beyond when the TNA pay-per-views, weekly pay-per-views stopped. But anyway, uh, Jeff Jarrett, just I, I'm a big fan of him as an entertainer, as a worker, as a guy who has worked his butt off but also known his value through his entire career. And the podcast that he's doing with uh conrad thompson now is just fantastic it's it's not only a look at jeff jarrett's career it's a look at the business of professional wrestling over the last 30 years uh it's fascinating to me and of course you cannot help but hear conrad's little catchphrases like chat me up which i never thought i would ever say chat me up but but i just dropped a basically a chat me up in the 
Needless Things podcast Facebook group thing. And then, of course, from uh, the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, uh, the housekeeping thing. Although I think housekeeping housekeeping is kind of a general uh, description of an introduction of a show. I don't. I didn't specifically get it from that, but at the same time, that's probably what led me to say it. And then the third podcast that I am now listening to on a regular basis, of course, recently on the show, Clown is Down with Pete and Keith. Uh, that I really love that show. So if you d- if you have not checked them out yet, one check out the episode of Needless Things that they were on, but then go listen to their show because it's very good and it's it's snackable content. Uh, but anyway. That's what's going on there. Uh, like I said, I'm just I'm I'm so tired of these five day stretches. They changed the schedule due to the pandemic and scheduling restrictions, and the fact that uh, the job that I do has to be done 24 seven. So there's always somebody there, and we have to rotate through while maintaining as little contact as possible. But we need coverage. Blah 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 blah. You don't care. But what it's led to is we do these. Every two weeks, we do these five-day stretches, and it's it's horrible. It's soul-sucking. Like, previously, three 12-hour shifts in a row uh, was as long as we did in general. If you had an overtime day here or there or whatever, you'd have to work more. But, like, on a regular basis, we worked three shifts in a row. And, like, it's, it's difficult not caring if you live or die for three days. But for five days, it's very demanding and draining. Uh, so anyway, that's where I'm at now. My I just got off of five days off, which you think would be a commensurate uh, trade-off for working five days, but it's not worth it. It just isn't. Uh, don't get me wrong, the five days off is nice, but the the fifth day off, you're dreading the next five days. The first day off, you're just worthless because you're recovering from this horrible stretch and trust me the five days off are not worth it uh but anyway my last five days off i was pretty productive because as as i've mentioned on the show i'm running out of space in the phantom zone had to make some tough choices and i i dodged the choices for the time being basically because what i did is uh, i got rid of a section of basically storage shelves that are beside my recording studio which I laugh a bit when I say recording studio because it's, well, I mean, it is, but whatever. Uh, so I had some storage shelves that were basically all mint on card, mint in box stuff that I hadn't opened or didn't plan to open. Uh, a photo area that I kind of stopped taking pictures in since I've been doing the video reviews. Uh, basically, a lot of stuff that could be boxed up. So. The uh, I think I told you guys about all the totes that I got, the, the collapsible totes a few months ago for a song. So I've been filling collaps- collapsible totes up with stuff. And they're now in the storage room. The shelving unit was one of those plastic ones with the, the like, great sh- G-R-A-T-E, not G-R-E-A-T. The G-R-A-T-E shelving. So, like, you couldn't really... You couldn't stand figures on them or anything. It was all it all had to be boxed stuff. So those got moved into the storage room and are now ho- now holding uh, boxes and other random things. And I ordered two more sets of these fantastic forty eight inch by twenty four inch steel shelves with uh, or steel I guess frames with particle board shelving. They I mean they look 
sort of industrial like they're not the most attractive shelving ever but they're very practical it's what i had to buy to fit the katana on and now the first one i got has the adat the katana the falcon the the newest slave one all of the big star wars vehicles are on this thing and they're so big you can almost it's almost like having a landscape uh so i ordered two more of those one of them is going to be vintage G.I. Joe. One of them is either going to be MCU or wrestling. Uh, but I've got these risers that I got from the container store that are fantastic. I painted them a metallic silver. Uh, actually, if you're following Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram, I put up a picture of a Cobra stun, a Python Patrol stun that I customized very loosely using that word. I painted all the yellow parts this gunmetal that's awesome it looks great i love it uh so i use that same paint to, to paint these risers and i'll put up pictures of this once you see it but anyway over the last five days packed up so much stuff organized so much stuff got these shelves put together um i've got another i got one set of shelves up i don't have them loaded up yet they're empty and i'll have to put up pictures of them empty before i put everything on them uh, but I'm I'm really excited because I got a lot done in that five day stretch. Uh, very energized. Uh, I'm I'm back to walking and working out, feeling good about it. I put a new battery in my heart monitor. If you're following Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, you know my heart monitor has been pissing me off with really low uh, measurements. I got a new battery in there and it looks like it's measuring correctly again. I had a great uh, below the belt workout DDPY the other day. So like. I'm I'm energized. I'm excited about things, and it's just tough to go into five days of of really not being able to accomplish the things that I love doing. I've always said if I could put the energy that I feel that I have for for creating podcasts and interviews and content into a real money making job, the sky would be the limit. It's just I've never been able to figure out how to monetize that. So anyway, uh, that's where I'm at right now. I don't really have any news uh, significantly. There, there are a few toy things this week. I'll, I'll mention uh, Super 7 uh, announced a reaction version of the old Shogun Warriors Godzilla that I think is great. Uh, it comes in a little box. It, it's just basically like a miniature version of that Shogun Warriors Godzilla and it'll be the right scale, I think, for your, like, 12th scale figures. Like, it'll be about right for those. Maybe a little too big, but still, it'll be fun to have one. I'll definitely get one of those. But Super 7 announced a ton of stuff for their kind of, sort of, still-at-home Icon exclusives. Um, so, that's cool. Uh, NECA announced the other two frogs from their cartoon frogs, which, to me, the most... I love the original frog toys, uh, Genghis Frog and Napoleon Bonafrog. Uh, they didn't do Attila or Rasputin in the original line, I don't think. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, but NECA's doing all four cartoon versions of the frogs, but they all look exactly the same. Like, they're different colors, but they're the same figure. I think they're just boring. I was disappointed with them in the cartoon back in the day, and I'm disappointed with the figures now, so I don't care. Uh, and then finally, Mattel revealed... The Masters of the Universe, Masterverse, Revelation, Faker figure, which I think is 
awesome. It's basically Faker mid transformation uh, with like all part of him is metallic. He's got swappable heads with all kinds of different damage and cool stuff going on. He's got the He Man harness and the the orange Skeletor harness. I think this figure is absolutely incredible. And this is what's bothering me about this line is I don't love it aesthetically, but they're doing some concepts uh, like Skelegod, like this faker, that are so cool that it's the type of thing that sort of tricks me into buying more of the line. But I did see Battle Cat the other day. He's gigantic, uh, but I didn't get him. I don't care for the shade of green he is. I, f- I finally saw it in person, and it is sort of a baby food green that I, I really don't care for. Uh I, I want to see the figures, I wanna, especially Mossman and Skeletor, but we'll see. Uh, and they're all up for pre-order on BigBadToyStore.com right now. The first two waves, which this is the first announcement I've seen of the second wave, which I completely didn't plan to talk about. I know I say this all the time. Uh, it was Tila. Oh, man, I, I can't remember who all it was. You know what? Let me let me bring it up because now I don't want to leave you guys hanging because I think that's just terrible. Uh, Big Bad... And, of course, within the Big B, it brings it up on the computer because I'm here all the time. Okay, Spikeor, which is a weird one. Spikeor, Beastman, Man-at-Arms, and Tila are Wave 2 of the Masterverse collection. Uh, Big Bad Toy Store has uh, all of those and Wave 1 up for pre-order right now. And, uh, you know, I'm following the line. But I don't think I'm going to be buying the line. Even the Skeletor, like, I really feel like I need to see it in person before I commit. Now, you know, Trapjaw and Scareglow, I'll get them. You know how I am. Anyway, uh, if you enjoyed that pop culture rambling, but would appreciate it even more with two awesome guests who make incredible music, we're going to talk about toys. We're going to talk about musical influences. We're going to talk about all kinds of pop culture stuff. You guys, sit back, uh, grab yourselves a... Jolt Cola, maybe? Either a Jolt Cola or a, uh, a maybe a tab. Perhaps a tab would be appropriate for your synthwave enjoyment. Pour a, little, uh, pour a little vodka in some tab. There's probably a name for that. I don't know. Uh, sit back and enjoy Neon Warlords. And before you know what? Before we do it, I'm going to give you a little treat. I'm, I'm going to hook you up so you can listen to Neon Warlords before you hear Neon Warlords.
I originally had planned that I was going to I told Nicole I was going to pretend that I was going by Johnny Neon now and I was like I'm going to see how long I can do it with a straight face and I blew it in the first like three seconds I like, <laughs> and I would I would have gone for it because I mean you don't I, I don't know you know I've heard two songs yeah but I don't know really and we'll, we'll get into that obviously we're into it now we're by the way joining me tonight on the Needless Things podcast, please welcome Making Magic, the Neon Warlords. And you guys are going to have to tell me about John, Johnny Neon and Joey Neon. <laughs> no, tell me, uh, introduce yourselves here. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, Johnny Neon, the singer. <laughs> no, I'm uh, Ryan Cadaver, and uh, I'm the singer. And, uh, you know, I help uh, me and Chris write some pretty tasty jams. Chris, yeah, I'm Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Neon, it's Joey Neon, yeah. Joey Neon from Brooklyn, yeah, <laughs> yeah. from parts unknown. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Is I wasn't sure uh, because in listening to the two songs that I've heard, the this, I mean, 
obviously the sort of synth rock aesthetic has become a massive thing over the past really decade. I feel like this has, I don't even want to say come back because the kind of music that's being made now and the kind of music that you guys are making now is an evolution of, of anything that's actually from the eighties. It's, it's a new thing that's rooted in sort of new wave and, and, uh, the synth heavy music of that era, but it's probably since 2010 or so is when I've been becoming more aware of this being a resurgence. Now, obviously it was going on before that because I'm a big dum dumb who doesn't keep track of like underground stuff. So once it comes into my circle of awareness, that means it's like about ready to pop into, into big pop culture noteworthiness. Uh, but for you guys, where did this where did this interest start in this kind of music? Uh, Chris, you want me to take this? Yeah, go for it. Well, basically, um, <clears throat> I've known Chris for a long time. Uh, our Casket Creatures and his band Doghead uh, played together in Albany, which is where he lives. And uh, always, dude, I was like, man, that Chris guy is such a badass musician, like such a good guitarist, uh, just amazing. The dude just can shred. And I've been wanting to do something with him for a while, uh, just for a long time. And I originally had envisioned like some kind of like goofy shit, maybe not even as a real band, just like as like a little like recording thing. Maybe we throw it in the movie. And, uh, you know, I was like envisioning stuff, you know, kind of like the Hasselhoff Kung Fury, like the kind of like goofy over the top inspirational kind of, you know, uh, you're the best around, you know, fucking that Joe Esposito shit, you know, like that, that kind of shit. And that's the original idea. And then like when me and Chris actually got together for the first time, it like turned into a whole different thing that neither one of us expected. Yeah, it, it just kind of, it really evolved from what we originally planned on it being because I was pretty much sitting around one day and Ryan hit me up and was like hey man how do you feel about like synth music and shit like this and he sent me a few links and I was like dude I love that shit you know I'm a 80s nerd metalhead you know movie guy I I love all that shit and uh it was talking about trying to write some of it as like a side project And like I said, I'm a big metal guy. You know, most of what I write and record is just like straight up thrash, death, power metal type shit. And I was like, yeah, I really dig that kind of stuff, but I've never really tried to write it before. So uh, give me give me a few days and let me see if I can come up with something. And so I started working on our, our first song and I dug it. I thought it was really cool. And I was like, man, I hope this is what Ryan was looking for. Let me, let's just send it to him and and see what he says. And I sent it to him and he messaged me back like five minutes later and was like, dude, I want to drive to Albany and hug you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, I did it. It's one of those those things where he, he got exactly where, where we were wanting to go musically, but I didn't have my part figured out because I was still going in it with like, ha ha, this is going to be so funny. And then yeah. when we went down there to record the, the song he's talking about, we actually recorded and we're actually going to rewrite it. He's in the process of rewriting it right now, rewrite all the lyrics because it was like, it was called heart of an Eagle, which it still <laughs> may be called, but yeah. uh, it was very like 
funny like it was very like you know this is this is funny he keeps comparing like you have the heart of an eagle and you have the strike of a python and yet and it's like just over and over again all these animal metaphors to where it's like so it gets so dumb and it was really funny but then like we wrote beyond cyberspace and it was actually like badass and we're like whoa 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 hold on now we can write something badass that sounds like this and that's where things changed completely yeah. It went from being funny little goofy side project to like, this is something we actually should do. Well, and yeah. that's what when, cause that's kind of what I was expecting is that tongue in cheek, uh, almost satirical over the top kind of thing. And then you sent me the, those songs and I was like, this is really fucking killer. It would be a shame if this was silly. I agree. Like it's too good to be silly yeah we we had that self-awareness too like me and chris literally had the exact conversation that we're having right now which is mm -hmm. like this would be a crime to <laughs> make this yeah. dumb we'll we'll keep that as you know like an alternate version somewhere for yeah. you know bust out for laughs but yeah it was like you said with with cyberspace it turned out so badass and when i was writing everything every band that I join, you know, I'm in like a bluesy rock band and I've been in some other bands and I always tell them like, Hey guys, I'll write stuff if you want me to, but it's just going to be like metal, you know, it's going <laughs> to be like what you do now, but with like fucking shred guitar and, you know, chunky riffs and stuff like that. It doesn't usually work out too well. And I just let other people do it. And I just kind of come in and do my thing. But when I said that to Ryan, you know, said, Hey man, I'm, I'm trying to make it, you know, a little more synthy, but um, I, I just can't stop making it a little metal. And Ryan said, no, fuck that, man. We're metal guys. Put the metal in there. And as soon as he said that, I mean, it just the inspiration pretty much never let up. Um, it's just been so effortless. Like everything we do, it, it, we, we agree on everything and we're always on the same page with everything. So it's just been extremely effortless to get these songs that we have. And I think we have like, including the rewrite of that first song. I mean, we've got like three or four more songs that are, you know, probably in the next month or two, we'll be ready to go ahead and record and release those too. Yep. It's what you're saying makes so, so much sense to me because, uh, the songs kind of hit me the way that like Stephen King talks about how when he's writing, like he's not even, he's not writing. Something's just flowing through him. Right. Something just and, takes over. And that's how these feel. They feel, I can't, I can't imagine them being anything else. I can't imagine them being more synthy. I can't imagine them being straight metal. It's they're very much their own thing that, that I, I did quite a bit. And I want to know, uh, because you said this basically happened organically, but going into this, what were you kind of mindful of? What were your initial influences and comparisons? Thing that, things that you were like, well, we kind of want to sound like this. Uh, what what artists were were influencing the inception, even if that's not what the product ended up being? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, going into it from a music standpoint you know when when we first started and you were talking about how synthwave has gotten pretty big in the last 10 years i was completely unaware that it had gotten that big honestly and until 
me and Ryan started talking and I started looking at what was out there. I mean, I listened to a few synthwave bands here and there, uh, you know, like Dynatron and Gunship and stuff like that. Yeah. I've heard of them and I like their work. Um, a lot of my love of synth music, you know, was like John Carpenter and other 80s slasher flicks and video game soundtracks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, Ryan would send me a song or two here and there and just say, you know, something like this. But when I actually started writing the music, I really didn't have another band in mind. Um, I would pretty much just sit down with the, the synth and just kind of see. It was more like trying to get a mood out, you know, like a feeling yeah. with, with a particular synth. Like, OK, I want this to sound, you know, spacey or you know cyberpunky or i want this one to yeah i would send ryan a message like i got this sound and this picture in my head like you're on the rooftops 1980s tokyo and it's pouring down rain and there's this fucking assassin and he's tired of killing people (laughs) you know it was more like random shit like that than, than trying to evoke the sound of an actual band but now once we've done it and we've released it you know all these people that are friends with us are like oh this sounds like the midnight mixed with dio and this sounds like gunship and this sounds like this and i'm like well fuck yeah that's awesome (laughs) i didn't mean for it too but i'm I'm glad we stumbled upon that i mostly i came across it from compilation albums that would pop up like on instagram or something there would be some cool art and then it would turn out it was an album cover but I want to recommend to you, Ryan, I've probably recommended this to you before, but for Chris, for you and for the listeners, uh, there's a label called Retro Promenade and they put out a compilation called Carpenter and it's all these synth bands. They're not covering John Carpenter songs, but they're, it's basically like music inspired by the works of John Carpenter. That's That's awesome. awesome. It's bad ass. It's, and it's gunship is on there. Like if, if, you were to see the bands you'd recognize half of them if, if oh, yeah. you have any awareness of synth wave at all uh but it's it's a great album and it's on like Bandcamp or whatever but um we're not here to talk about other music we're here to talk about neon warlords uh ryan was there any did you have any specific bands or, or sounds or soundtracks or anything in mind <laughs> when this first kind of hit you yeah, uh, there was a few like songs in particular. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, No Easy Way Out from Rocky Four, I think. Yeah. Uh, Robert Tepper. But that was one that I sent him and I was like, dude, I was like, just just like listen to how this chorus like hits. Like it's so huge and so badass and like everything's just right in its place and like it just takes you somewhere. And, uh, you know, he hit that vibe with Heart of an Eagle. Uh, I just ended up having to change all the lyrics because it was far too dumb for his badass <laughs> You're like, uh, I want music that makes you want to jump out of your chair and punch a slab of beef. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I sent him the music video for uh, uh, the uh, Top Gun guitar video. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're like in the hangar. They're like in an airplane hangar just full of smoke. And the guy's oh, yeah. with the piano playing. I was like, this is the vibe right here. Like just shit like yeah. that. Like I would just send him random shit like that. And I'd be like, and, and a lot of times uh, I'll just send him song titles. I just think up like blood on the streets. Like 
I was just like blood on the streets. And he's like, I got it. Like, it's just a <laughs> lot of shit like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's like Chris said, a lot of it's like a vibe that we're wanting to go for. And like, so far, you know, out of the like four songs that we're currently like working on the two that are out and like two or three more that we're working on, they all have like, they sound like us, but they also like have a totally different vibe, which is really, really cool. Yeah. So it, and, and there's been a couple people that have reached out to Chris and myself, like asking if the lyrics to cyberspace and blood on the streets are like connected. And if there's like an ongoing story because they're kind of dystopian and, and all that stuff. And I had not thought of that, but <laughs> that is badass. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. the neon warlords verse, man. Don't Sub- you know? Yeah. Sub- submit your theories. Yeah. Uh, and if you're right, we'll publish it and let you know that you were exactly right about our plan. Yeah. That's right. It's <laughs> all your ideas. And we'll <laughs> yeah. send, yeah. us, send us all the ideas and we'll be like, yes, this is exactly it. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. He, he was the final Cylon all along. Yeah, that's right. Also, uh, <laughs> also the, uh, the artwork that we got, um, that also helped us out a good bit because that kind of oh, gave yeah. us like, our our whole vibe and and the uh the robotic samurai has kind of become our eddie so to speak you know that's kind of like going to be our guy that's on everything in different different art styles and different situations but the cyberpunk looking samurai is like our thing well as, as soon as i saw that image i was picturing like an animated video of that kind of moving in that stilted 80s animation way with just like lasers and shit shooting all over the place like i could i could see that thing moving like it's 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 a great dynamic design i love it uh so this is needless things we're talking about uh toys movies music all manner of pop culture dorkery if there were going to be a neon which i i mean at this point the samurai is the samurai neon warlord or is he going to have some other identity or be undefined or are the neon warlords something else entirely send in your theory man <laughs> what, do you, so, what do you think if yeah. <laughs> what what do you think if the if that samurai whatever his identity may be or her, or its identity. If you could pick any toy line, and I, I want an answer from each of you, any toy line from the past or the present that that samurai would be part of, like whoever made that toy line would make a figure of that samurai, who would it be? Oh, man. Okay, this is like random as hell, but does anyone remember the Ronin Warriors? Yes, yes, dude. That's what I was just thinking. Yes. Yeah, I can picture him as one of those, like the same kind yeah. of like accessories and the armor and everything. Like, oh, I, man, wah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my answer. Yeah. Well, since Ryan, you asshole, you took. <laughs> uh, I'll go with my runner-up. Um, and I guess this this is more of a specific line, but uh, when Todd McFarlane did the manga series for the oh, Spawn yeah. toys. Yeah, I like not that I necessarily think that the the samurai would fit. I would just really fucking like to see him done up like that. Yeah, all the detail and the well, and the size of that one too, like, would be great. 
the Ronin Warriors would be great just because of all the articulation and the snap-on armor and everything. Yeah. But the McFarlane would be great as just a static version. My yeah. pick would be uh, a Micronauts style with the vac metal armor pieces. That so like super fun. shiny, maybe even like yeah, metallic, metallic pink. I yeah. have a couple of Micronauts like laying around the house and like I don't really know where they came from, but I'm glad I have them. <laughs> That's They've the story been... of like literally everyone because I had, I didn't even know what they were. I had some when I was a kid because my grandmother would go around to garage sales and every time we'd go visit them i would have new like weird toys i'd never seen before and i had some micronauts and i didn't know what they were until like i was way older because yeah. they were just these weird little really poseable things like kind of like gi joes but not at all yeah they i mean similar like scale wise right right but yeah i, th I think everybody's got one or two micronauts laying around yeah. somewhere i have you know? no idea what the characters are that i have but i have them no <laughs> I, I never knew either i said to this day i don't know and i've looked at micronauts for panels and stuff yeah uh so we've we've got a a, a nice selection of action figures but now we've got to talk about if we're doing because i mentioned i could see this thing in motion uh but for you guys music video wise you're going to use this character you got to use this character because it's incredible but what medium are you going to present it in what what when you think of your music and this thing in motion how do you see it that's a great question chris do you want to answer <laughs> I mean, like it, I've thought about this a lot because it's always been that thing like, man, if we had a budget, it would be fucking awesome because we could dream up so much cool shit. Um, how I would, I mean, it would have to be something retro, you know, like a hand drawn Transformers animated kind of thing. I just don't see it. I mean, to, for it to be live action or like CGI. You know, it would be, it would have to be like really fucking good and expensive to be believable. So I, I would definitely think like a, a hand drawn animated kind of style. That's how I see it. Yeah. I don't think you could go with like the Beastie Boys intergalactic. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it would look awesome, but it wouldn't fit. Like we were saying, this is, it's not silly. So yeah. that doesn't fit the aesthetic, but I could see some like some really cutting edge puppetry. I think I could work well. A combination yeah. of puppetry and CG where the figure yeah. is done uh, like tabletop Bunraku style, something like that. But it has effects and stuff around it. Yeah. Uh, this yeah, is like a combination I, of like green screen and puppetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool, actually. But, but I could just like straight Power Rangers style, just go over the top with the live <laughs> And and that's the thing is this you you guys have a sound and now an aesthetic that can fit, I think, into a lot of different mediums. You could you you have a lot of storytelling potential with this thing that you know really kind of started as a goof. Yeah, absolutely. 
it started as like, you know, haha, that would be funny. And then it became like, holy shit, we're doing this. Like, this is like yeah. a thing that is part of my life now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we talk daily about Neon Warlords. <laughs> like, it's a serious thing for us. Um, so, obviously, right here, right now, you don't want to necessarily shoot for the stars. But as things have come together, uh, as you've realized you've got, for lack of a better term, a commodity. Mm-hmm. what what are some things that you've considered what are some plans that you think are are viable for the future we have discussed um a live show uh in various forms uh one being me and chris uh another being like getting on like a full-on band um we have discussed that and we're still in the process i feel like by the end of the year we will have done at least one show because we're really motivated and want to get this done. Now, Chris, uh, what's your musical background? Because I, I feel like for, for Ryan to say a live band to produce this sound live, I feel like you're going to need really talented people, talented and reliable people. That's, yeah. That's hard. Um, but for, for you in the studio to have created, you know, this music, what is your background? Where did you come from musically? Um, I've honestly just been a metal guitar player for like the last 20 years. (laughs) I've never really branched out too much. I've never played in cover bands. I never, you know, did that whole thing. Um, I've just, I'm 36. I started playing when I was 16 and six months into playing, the guy that taught me how to play guitar was like 15 or 16 years older than me. And uh, he taught me how to drink and he taught me how to play guitar. (laughs) And uh, within six months of giving me lessons, he invited me to join his band. So I was, you know, 17 at that point, still in high school. But I was playing in bands with a bunch of 30 year olds. Literally, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I'm just saying like literally everyone who's ever seen you live is like that guy's a fucking prodigy. Like that's (laughs) why you picked it up so quick. Like you're ridiculous. I was just obsessed with it, man. I mean, like, you know, like when you pick up like a a really good game and you're like, well, fuck, I'm going to put 80 hours into that this week. <laughs> like guitar was like that to me for like years and years and years. And, and it still is. But uh, when I got to be probably in my early 20s, I got into studio stuff, recording, because uh, where I live, it's hard to have a metal band you know there's only so many people that can play that style around here it's mostly country or gospel or whatever the fuck and uh, I was like okay fuck it I'll just learn how to record and I'll be the whole band myself and uh, so that's pretty much how it goes you know anything that pops up I'm just pretty much like well fuck it I'll, I'll learn how to do it you know like when Ryan hit me up about the synth stuff. I really have no background in in keyboard or piano or anything like that or making electronic music. So it's like, well, I mean, I've got the tools for it. So fuck it. Let's give it a shot. But yeah, that that's pretty much my background. Just playing in, in metal bands for the and longest time. You were telling me you're you're basically like the guy for gear and stuff because of your job and everything. Yeah, I uh, I work at a music store here in town. It's like pretty much the biggest store in town. And uh, 
it's I, I've been there for like five years now and just from being in local bands and being a part of the scene for a long time and you know guitar and studio guy I, I get a lot of people that come to me that you know want to build studios or want to put something like that together or like the main thing I get over and fucking over again people want me to build pedal boards for them man Jeez, like not even build them but just like hey I just bought like 56 effects pedals uh you want to like hook them up for me <laughs> like, yeah that, that sounds like a great time dude uh, yeah I, I'm a gear nerd you know I, I I do love studio gear and uh that you know getting into synth and stuff like that it's almost like getting into a new line of toys or something it's like oh shit something else i can piss my wife off with wanting to buy <laughs> you know to collect well I, to, to go back to the video game analogy uh, you know congratulations on being addicted to something useful yeah <laughs> good, good job on that oh, i'm addicted to games too <laughs> Well, that's okay though, because you you still get that primary one of something that is potentially profitable and enjoyable by other people. Yeah. Like no nobody. Well, I guess people do though. I was gonna say nobody wants to go to a club to watch people play video games, but I guess that is kind of a thing now, isn't it? I know. Isn't that so weird that people want to watch people play games now? Like I've got an older brother, so the worst thing I could possibly fucking imagine is having to watch somebody else right. play a game. <laughs> you know because i spent my whole childhood like waiting for my fucking turn i will say this though i watched three people play uh wwf no mercy on youtube the other day extremely entertaining yeah L literally the only time i've been entertained by watching other people play a video game i can do it i'll i'll watch some if i if it's somebody that i like or you know a youtuber or a friend that's streaming or something like that but I guess like my thing, I work with a lot of younger people and they they don't play games. They just watch other people play. Them. Oh, that's crazy uh, to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I sound like fucking 300 years old. My like, goddamn kids don't even play the damn games. anymore. That well, that's what I'll uh, my my son's 13 and he'll be watching, you know, a YouTube video and, and not like because I've. The, the one that I was watching was three people sort of interacting while they were playing No Mercy, and it was fun. But he's watching, like, walkthroughs of games he yeah. doesn't have. And I'm like, so you're watching this person finish the game. Does that mean we don't have to buy it now? He's yeah, like, no, right. I still want to play it. Why? Then why are you watching it? You're, everything's being given away. What? Yeah, but that's, well, what, that's how they do. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, and, it, it's... Because I'm old and, and have one foot in the grave, I just don't understand. I'm not with it. I'm not either. All we can do is shake our fist at the sky, man. That's right. <laughs> uh, there's watch, write, write, that, write that down, Shake Your Fist at the Sky. That's another song title. <laughs> Hell yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, take Back the Night. But yeah, yeah. so anyways, uh, basically, I will only watch hor uh, like horror game streaming. Because like some of those are really fucking entertaining. Yeah, yeah. if you're uh they'll some some of the uh wwe some of the women in wwe will play some kind of horror game i can't remember what yeah. it is where they like wander around a dark house and every once in a while some little kid with no teeth jumps out or something i don't know what it yeah. is but they all scream and jump and like that shit's funny it's just funny it's just funny yeah. it's like kids falling off of bikes it's funny yeah, yeah it's, it's, just, it's always yeah. funny yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so to bring it back around to toys, because this is a conversation we've got to have because it's needless things. Uh, and and we've, Ryan, a couple of times, obviously, we've talked about when you were a kid, the stuff that you were into. So we'll, we'll, we'll save you. But Chris, yeah. when you were a kid, what were the toy lines that were sparking your imagination uh, that were, you know, compelling you to tell stories and making you want to spend mom's money, basically? Yeah. Um, well, like I was talking about earlier, I've got an older brother. Um, he's 10 years older than me. So, um, I got a lot of cool shit handed down to me from him, you know, Thundercats and Masters of the Universe, all those toys. Those kind of got me started, you know, playing with the shit that he was too old. Cause I mean, shit, by the time I'm like six or seven, you know, he's 16 and 17. He's out trying to get laid. He's not playing with the toys anymore. Um, so I got all those. Uh, when I started coming into my own and the things that I liked, um, a lot of the Todd McFarlane and Spawn stuff, you yeah. know, because that uh, I love comics and cards and, you know, all the Marvel shit that was around at that time, like the Fleer, the 94 Fleer Ultra card set. And Oh, man, those those Marvel trading cards of the 90s. Yeah, man. Were ever, we all had them. And I I, I'm, I'm about 10 years older than you guys. I'm your brother's age, probably. But everybody that walked into a comic shop oh, had yeah. those cards. Because you just, yeah. everything, every time you went in, whatever you bought, you bought a pack of those. At least one yeah, of them. It, it, oh, yeah, yeah. You were at least going to get a pack of those. And, and they were awesome. You know, they looked cool. Because there was the Fleer set, and then there was the Flare set that was a little bit different. They, like, had different artwork. There was and, also uh, a... There was also a Marvel like like a Pokemon type game that was the same yeah. time, was the same same time frame, and I remember everyone having those, but nobody played the game. Everyone just collected the. They cards. just had the cards. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I about? Think I I can't remember what it was called. Um, I know what you're talking about though because I believe I accidentally bought, bought a pack of those once, and I was like, yeah. "What is what is all this bullshit?" Yeah, there's all these all numbers, the and, all these yeah, numbers yeah. and X counters, and yeah, get shit. get this out of my face. Where I yeah. just I just want yeah. the I just want the picture of Rogue in the bikini. Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't need like these numbers. Pictures of fucking like Bishop and shit. Like, yeah, I'm not I trying to. Uh, I'm not had, trying to do math. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to count. Yeah, I had <laughs> that. Uh, there was an X Men like board game too. I think it was in the Danger Room or some shit like that. I can't remember. Oh was, man. Uh, that sounds it awesome. Some, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it had some cards. And I used but to yeah. play the shit out of it because I, I would make my parents play it with me. So I'm like, shit, I don't have friends. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> I remember the look on my dad's face uh, when I would want to play their, like Escape from the Death Star or i'm trying there was one in particular he hated playing but the one he always wanted to play was axis and allies nice. which was this massive like strategy war game that i don't yeah. believe anybody has ever actually really played because <laughs> right. it takes like eight hours yeah. just to set it up just for the I've setup man. okay vintage marvel comics i'm trying to find this this 90s yeah i would game. love to see what that is because I haven't seen it in ages. 1992 Marvel, the Uncanny X-Men Alert Adventure board game. 
I think that's it. This might be it. But then there's 1994 X Men Under Siege. But there are a lot of X Men board games. Oh, oh wow, this one looks like it might be the Mansion. Whoa. Hang on, let me send you guys this link because I'm curious to know if this is what you're talking about. And I, this is only 16 bucks. I might buy this live because <laughs> uh, I'm very curious about this. All right, I'm sending this in the chat. See if this is ringing a bell. Oh my gosh, that link is massive. Oh, oh it is. is. All right, let's it, see what we got. But it looks like it might be the danger. Oh, oh shit, dude. that is it, dude. Is it? This is the game. That's the game, dude. I want to play this. Look at this thing. Oh wow! Look at the pieces. Oh, yeah. it looks like this one's missing all the pieces. That is holy shit! Oh my god, that brings back memories. Yeah, that was nineteen ninety four, huh? That holy is shit. awesome. Oh, this one is ninety. Oh yeah, yeah, ninety four. You're right. You're right. There was another one Damn. that was ninety two. That's awesome. I haven't seen that. I wonder if I, if my parents still have that. I'm gonna save this listing because this one's miss, missing all the pieces. But I'm gonna save this listing because I want to track down a copy of this. This looks. Badass. That's awesome. I remember it being fun, you know, as a, uh, let's see, I would have been, yeah, like nine years old back then. It was pretty fun. But uh, I have to ask my parents if they still have that. Not, of course, now not, they're old as shit. Everything doesn't age well. Cause I, yeah. we, uh, you know, I mentioned that escape from the, from the Death Star, the Star Wars game that they reissued a few years ago and we played that and that was still a blast. I had that when I was a kid. It was one of those things my grandmother got at a yard sale. And every time we went up there, we'd play it. Uh, but then there was another game, uh, the, the planet of ice or something like that is from empire strikes back. It takes place on Hoth and they reissued it. I had never played it and sat down with my son. We played it and both agreed that it sucks <laughs> it's no good very that always sucks. whenever so, you go it, back to something that was awesome and it, it's just horrible we me and uh my wife had that felt oh shit it had to have been 14 or 15 years ago this was before we were even like dating i was hanging out at her parents house and me and all my metalhead friends of course talked non-stop about fucking crossfire you know the old crossfire oh, game have like man. the raddest soundtrack and everything and yeah she was like crossfire i've got that game up in my attic and we were like well fucking now you tell us go get it and she got it down and we started playing it that is the loudest fucking game ever made is it louder like, than just, hungry hungry hippos yes because <laughs> the fucking balls are like clack 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 they're like ball bearings right yeah they're just straight up ball bearings and we're sitting there playing, and it's loud as shit. And her dad comes around the corner, and he's like, you know, your typical southern ex-military dad type. He's like, what the fuck are y'all doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, cross <laughs> he, he didn't sit down and sing the song with you? Uh, sadly, no. I, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> Ryan, so, what about you? What, uh... You know, we've talked well, about masters on the universe. on the subject of board games. When okay. we were like, so nowadays I only play board games when I'm drunk. So uh, they have to be simple. <laughs> now hold on just a minute there, buddy, because you turned me on to this this Universal Monsters game. Oh, that game rules! You can't um, play that fucking game when you're drunk. That's true. That game has a lot of rules, <laughs> dude. 
I thought I was going to die. Bo was sitting there reading the rules for like an hour and a half. And I, I really felt my soul like leaving my body. I was like, this cannot, he's got to be fucking with me. There's no way there are this many rules as to how to play this damn game. Okay, so to kill the creature, you have to get in the boat and move three spaces right. when you roll in the blue. Yeah, but, it's- but the the little girl has this power that the investigator doesn't have. So if you want to choose the librarian, she's really good against the werewolf. But yeah. the werewolf can do this shit. I'm like, dude, are we? It's it's like morning. The sun is coming up. Are we ever gonna play this game? Yeah, no, it's it's that game is insane. And I uh, was super good. drunk. That was a good uh, quarantine game, but yeah, not so much a drunk game. But I got the Haunted Mansion board game, and I was so excited to play it, and I was getting drunk over at her neighbor's house, and we're having a good time, and we tried to bust that out, and it was the same thing. There were so many goddamn rules. I was like, I cannot handle this. And I just had like a meltdown, like exactly what you're saying. <laughs> like I had like a meltdown. I was like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> Next time, next time you're over and we're drinking, we're just gonna bust out plain old parcheesi. Perfect. The simple Perfect. shit. <laughs> Twitch that. Twitch stream that. Oh my gosh, yeah. that would be great. Did I seem like super old just then? I was like, let's twitch that. Let's yeah. twitch that. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> that how bad? you say that. Probably bad. Yeah. That's okay. We'll. But we will. We'll twitch that. That's. I like yeah, that idea. We. Twitch. Yeah. We smash, do. Smash that like button. We. Sh- we should. <laughs> We should do like a board game, like a drunk board game night where we play shit for like 12 minutes until we get sick of it and then move on to the next thing. And just flip the table and then like have to set it all back up drunkily and like sadly. <laughs> drunkily. Drunkily. Somebody um, might be a little drunkily right now. No, I've actually only had two beers. That's not good. Well, I've, I've had. I'm going to go grab another one real quick. I've had half an owl of Elijah Craig. Ooh. Half an owl? Nice. <laughs> That's oh my god! Oh. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, that's be right back. Grab a beer real quick. Yeah, man, please. Real quick. You so... anything while I'm up? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Toy Biz line video game superstar? Of course, they had Resident Evil, um... Zelda, uh, Tomb Raider. Okay, I had the Tomb Ra- I had the shitty Tomb Raider figure. Shittiest Tomb Raider ever. Um, there was a Zelda we, one I didn't know did about. They have like fabric shorts. Yes, they were leather. Like, like they were like pleather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't remember there was a Legend of Zelda one. I yeah, thought I they were all. That. I thought they were all Capcom. Dude, there's a Zelda one I didn't know about. It. I just what? looked it up. Okay, Look I'm up. looking this up now. Video but game superstars, is that it? Yeah, by Toy Biz. But uh, so I was just thinking about that. I was like, that's one I haven't talked about on the podcast. Uh, that is a toy line that I was obsessed with, and they're terrible. But like at the time, I was like, holy shit, like these characters from these video games, they have toys of them. And that was like so unreal to me. Oh, dude, I had all of these Marvel versus Capcom ones. Because Strider, yes, I had that one. Strider was one of my favorite NES games, For and sure. it came with it came with Spider Man. Which, granted, this Spider Man is from uh, the Toy Biz Marvel line, and is a. Uh, well, I guess for the time it was kind of cool, but it's got a really awkward pose. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I had that set. Yeah, I had all of those. But that was a great line. Uh, I was just I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I haven't brought that up yet. But that was a big part of my childhood. Yeah, well, this no, the, I was I was definitely on top of these. I had all the Resident Evils. I had all the Marvel versus Capcom. I had the Tomb Raider, which let's let's pull this goofy looking it's the bitch worst. up. It's one it's, of the worst figures ever. Look at the shoulders on this thing. The face is a night. The face looks like a blow up doll. Yeah, she has like scoliosis, and she's like got a blow up doll mouth. It's not good. But this was ninety <laughs> seven. Yeah. But I, I kind of I remember the accessories being cool and like the bat and all the little villains were cool. But I also remember like I was like, man, she like kind of does not look like Tomb Raider. Like even back in the day, I was like, this looks bad. But this is what like these these weird poses and stuff. This is what a lot of toy lines looked like at the time, like Total Justice and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like like these fit right in. I didn't remember that they had all these Nintendo ones though. Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, and then yep. uh, Zelda. Yeah, I, I didn't know about I that. Even looking at these, because it's Link and, and Epona, isn't that the horse? Yep. I don't remember these at all. Yeah, I, I never saw those on the shelves. That's wild. Yeah. And then uh, Dark Stalkers, which I think I had. Yeah, I had all the Dark Stalkers ones too, because even yeah. though. I sucked just as bad at that game as I did at Street Fighter. Like, the character designs are so good. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, the last Joe Lana I was at, I bought a bunch of those because uh, somebody had the uh, the Darkstalkers toys from that. Oh, line. nice. And, uh, I bet they're not pricey. No, they were, like, nothing. Like, like even, uh, even now, I bet they're not. Yeah, they were all open, but they had the accessories and yeah, everything. I, I bought cares? a show. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I don't even that's fine. Um so the like Toy Biz people now barely even remember Toy Biz because now yeah. Marvel Legends is Hasbro. Yeah. But Toy Biz was a game changer because they started with the Batman 1989 toy line. Yeah, like that's where they began, and from there spun off into a DC line, and then the Marvel line, and then you know all the the video game superstars, all this other stuff. Such a massive force in the '90s that is is just gone. It's yeah, wild. Yeah, it's insane. But uh, that I just wanted to bring that up because like that that was a toy line that like I had all of these video game characters, and I'd like I would. I would have them all in my Ghostbusters house and they'd all be like solving crimes and shit. Like that was like my jam. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it was always cool when you could get video game toys because it was rare at the time. It was rare. Cause like nerd shit is cool now. Yeah. You know, and, and everything is so easily accessible. I remember, and th this wasn't even like the biggest deal, but I fucking love playing with these toys. Uh, so like the smaller GI Joes were always super articulate yeah, that were fun to fight with, and they came out with uh, some Mortal Kombat ones. Yeah, yes, and they were fucking awesome. And yeah, those were my favorite toys for years. They did game ones and movie ones, uh, and the game ones were actually a subset of the GI Joe line, and they also did Street Fighter. Uh, but right. Yeah, they, they had the full G.I. Joe articulation, but they looked like the characters from the games. And that was, like you guys said, video game toys 
weren't super common back then. No, not at all. It's yeah. it's not like it is now where like literally everything is a trifecta of like comic book, video game, toy, movie. Yeah. Like, you get it all. Yeah. Money, money, money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is great. If it's you're cool. it's a good nerd and a collector. Yeah. It's like, it what a out. time to be alive. And, and I have to tell my wife all the time, like my wife is a lot cooler than I am. You know, she didn't really get into a lot of nerd shit until we got together. And I mean, we're going, we've been together for like 14 years now. So I, I've indoctrinated her pretty deeply <laughs> at this point. You know, I got her to do to, you know, most people are like, oh, I wish I could get my wife to do this sick shit. But for me, it was like, dude, I got my wife to read the Silmarillion, you know, or just <laughs> some shit like that. And, uh, so she's really into, you know, a lot of Marvel stuff now. Well, she's into the movies and the shows and everything. Which yeah, th yeah. That's fine, you know, because when we're watching the movies or the TV shows or whatever, then, you know, she's like, okay, so what's he really like? You know, did they do a good job on that? Is that what this character really is? Or what's his real backstory? You know, she'll ask me shit like that. And just recently, um, we got a new TV and it's like badass. And we it wanted to. Bad. When Ryan came to my house, watch Star like, Wars on it. Let's watch five <laughs> minutes of everything ever made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we were like, "Fuck yeah!" Well, you know, now that we have this TV, let's go back and just rewatch all of the Marvel movies. You know, just let's marathon these shits. Yeah, yeah. And just by the time we got to you know the infinity saga and everything i was just sitting there and i was probably fucked up that, that's probably a safe assumption <laughs> but i was just kind of in wonder like man if you would have gone back to like a seven or eight year old me and told me that i would have seen like thanos on the big screen wearing a fucking infinity gauntlet beating cheeks like, you know, it's just like fucking wild. It's unheard of. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in uh, our our own personal wants and expectations of this stuff that we fail to appreciate just how amazing it is that it's being represented in any way right. in mass media in the way it is. For sure. Definitely. Like, I think a lot of times we need to just sort of take a minute and step back and be like, man like sure maybe that spider-man isn't doing exactly what my spider-man movie would be yeah but it's spider-man yeah. with iron man and like all of right. these marvel characters yeah, yeah. shit that we are you not thought. entertained it, it, right <laughs> in in the biggest budget movies that get made this is not and look I love the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but this isn't the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. This is 100% right. top-notch, state-of-the-art filmmaking. The yeah. best that's being made technologically. Uh, and, and we're getting to sit back and enjoy one every few months. It's incredible. But it's now, now they're streaming it straight into our homes. Yeah, man. Oh, I know. And the quality is just as good. I, I I just got done watching the new episode of Loki right before we started. Uh, I haven't, I, haven't I haven't watched it yet because I, I haven't uh, seen it yet. The the family's out of town, so I won't watch yeah. it until tomorrow. Uh, it all right, fun. so I want to bring it back around to Neon Warlords, and 
this is the question, and Ryan, I've asked you this question before. Call about me the John. Cas- yes. About the yes, <laughs> about the casket creatures. This to me, in in the way that I engage with music now, uh, and as a collector, this to me is an important component of, I guess, marketing a band or a musical product. At what point are you guys putting your sound on vinyl? Because <laughs> I feel like it has to happen nowadays. Yeah. Whether whether you figure out a way to do a seven inch or or whether an eventual album is released on vinyl. I really do think it's a key component because so much of the, I guess, elite music mentality now is that collector mentality that not only do I want to be able to listen to this, which you can do on Spotify, you can do it on your car, you can do it wherever you want, but I also want to own a piece of it and CDs are fucking dead. Nobody gives a shit about CDs anymore. Now, the way you own a piece of music is on vinyl. Yeah. I personally, I would definitely love to do something on vinyl. Um, it's going to have to wait until it makes sense to do it. Cause there's a few things that go into putting something on vinyl. Um, for one, the music has to be mastered for vinyl. Um, as far as, you know, when you're, uh, recording something in the studio, you, you've got the mix phase and then you've got the mastering phase. You know, the mix phase is you're, you're putting everything together. You know, you're making sure that the bass isn't covering up whatever. All the frequencies work together. Everything sounds good. Making and sure then, the snare isn't louder than everything else on the album. Right. Aisle. You know, make, make sure everything sounds good on its own. And, and then, you know, the master is like the finishing touch. You know, it's like the inking. You okay, know, I you're, you. you're, you're putting that final sheen on there. And, and you're bringing everything up in loudness to commercial volume so that, you know, if you're listening to a bunch of shit on Spotify, you know, you don't want your song to be five decibels quieter than the song that came before it because uh, our ears perceive louder as better. I can't tell you how many times I've been recording some guys in the studio and they were like, oh, that sounds like shit. That sounds like shit you need to do this. You need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I got you, man. And I just like turn the volume up a little bit. And they're like, <laughs> fuck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So our, our ears play those tricks on us, but yeah, um, you do have to master a specific way for vinyl um, so that it doesn't sound like shit basically. Really? Um, that's interesting. I had no idea yeah, that was, it, it, it's uh, it, it can bring out like a lot of shit that you didn't know was there once it goes over to that physical medium um and number two uh it's fucking expensive yeah yeah to do Just vinyl the setup cost alone is like 600 bucks yeah yeah like it, 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 like it's fucking expensive set up so, for it. you have to pay for the shit yeah, yeah you have to pay for all that to for them to to set it up um i definitely want to do it and i think yeah. we definitely will do it one day um but i i want it to make sense when we do it i want it you know i want to make sure it's going to sound good um i want to make sure that it makes sense financially for us to do it and i want it to be like a whole fucking package if it's going to be a big vinyl i want fucking artwork you know more more than just one picture yeah i want like a goddamn storybook in there you know (laughs) i I want it to be the, the full package but uh having said that you know, I don't think this is uh, blowing the lid on anything, but 
we're definitely going to do some cassette tapes. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's one, uh, I have exact, a matter of fact, it's sitting right around here somewhere. The cassette tape thing has not gotten me because I've, I've got a dual deck cassette player. My dad gave me from like 1978 or something. Uh, but I just don't have any reason to own cassettes, but I did buy the guardians of the galaxy, that awesome mix cassette that they put out. Yeah. That's I got the, that just to have that, but oh, yeah. yeah, cassettes. And, and again, like I was saying, it's a way you can own the music. So it's not even yeah. like, if you want to support an artist, I, who gives a shit if you're going to listen to it or not, like support the artist, buy the cassette, have the thing, put it on your shelf yeah. and, and it's there. Like, it's not even really about listening to the cassette. Although apparently it's, people are doing that for some strange true. reason. <laughs> yeah it, it's more i mean the the best thing that you can do for a band these days i mean of course you know the the artistic side of me is like fucking listen to this and enjoy it yeah. you know it means something you know we there's uh even if it is lighthearted or whatever you know there's real emotion put into this music and there's real emotion put into these lyrics and uh, but you know to support a band the best thing you can do is just talk about them tell people about them you know and and buy their shit directly from them when you can you know those are probably the biggest things you can do you you can be a huge supporter there i have friends that have bands that you know i don't i would never tell them to their face but it's just like not my thing at all you know uh the genre wise but i'll fucking share their shit and buy their merch and i'll i'll tell People, you know, I I work at a music store. So even if I don't listen to that genre of music, somebody might come in that does. And I'll say, hey, my friends are in a band. You should fucking check them out because you might like that shit. I fucking hate it. (laughs) (laughs) You might like it. Well, and that is the best thing you can do to support music. And I, I think that's a little bit of where I'm coming from with the having a thing to own. I like it when bands have more than just t-shirts because how many fucking t-shirts do i need to own but give me give me a at least one more yeah yeah, what right yeah a neon (laughs) neon warlord shirt uh shirt obviously that's happening give give me a koozie give me a fridge magnet give me a cassette whatever give me something other than a t-shirt because i want to buy your shit but i don't need any more t-shirts yeah uh it's interesting about that a good bit uh about merch ideas yeah. Yeah, because I and, and again with the with the aesthetic that you guys have, I think you do have more opportunities for interesting things. Imagine and, and I don't know anything about product. You know what? I know you could you could get this done. Imagine. Do you remember those little uh, the little erasers you would get at school that were like little <laughs> creatures and monsters and shit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine getting together with like bones, bones could make you tooling for a little rubber neon warlord samurai guy that like stuff like that ass, man yeah dude yeah, and, sell of... that, and, and look yeah. he does the tooling for it and you make them for a nickel a piece and sell them for 10 bucks yeah i mean just stuff like that not obviously not that exactly but like yeah. stuff like that there's so many interesting opportunities for to connect with what you guys are presenting for sure, for sure. 
Chris, I want to talk a little bit more about the mastering because that's very interesting to me that something has to be mastered differently for vinyl. Uh, And this is kind of the debate that I've been having. I I love vinyl. I love listening to, like, if there's a new album coming out, I would really like to listen to it for the first time on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, this morning, there's... uh, there's a very small independent guy uh, runs a company called Rubellin Remasters, and he goes after uh, older releases that aren't currently available on vinyl. And he did, he's doing a new release of Oingo Boingo's first album, uh, Only a Lad. Went up this morning for pre-sale. I jumped on that shit quick. Can't <laughs> wait to hear that on vinyl. Like, there's something to me, and I can't ever quite define it because I'm not an audiophile by any definition but something about the sound quality i feel like it's more direct yeah or i I feel dumb using the word organic but that's how it feels to me no that that would be the proper word that that's a good word for it um it there there is a difference in the sound absolutely and there's a few things at play with that it's it's the what we would call dynamic range of of those frequencies those specific frequencies so i'm trying to think of the best way to explain this without (laughs) going off for like an hour because if you get me started about like studio (laughs) shit i just will never shut the fuck up we'll we'll save that for another episode we'll 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 get granular with with chris one day about (laughs) i'll go deep um so we'll we'll just basically put it this way um with the advent of modern recording everything's got to be bigger and louder and the highs are higher the lows are lower you know everything's just more extreme you could think of um when music used to come out it was all made the same way it was there was no digital recording everything is recorded into this console that has transistors and capacitors and vacuum tubes and all this very real components that color the sound. And that shaped recording as we knew it, uh, basically up until the mid to late nineties when digital shit started getting really big. So you can think of, of all that stuff, all those components, and then going to vinyl as being like, an EQ curve here and an EQ curve here. You know, it's chopping this off and it's chopping this off. And that's what you hear, that nice, warm, rounded, vintage sound. And it's nostalgic, too. Because, you know, you grew up listening to records or eight tracks. You hear that sound, it, it takes you back. So now we've got that. Now with digital recording and with the way things are recorded, you take all that away. And everything is just fucking in your face. And it's not warm. We have to go back in and try to add that warmth after the fact. Yeah. Because yeah. When, when you record digitally, it it turns a lot of people off at first when they're building home studios and they're getting into home recording. Because when you hear raw tracks as they're recorded, they sound like shit because they're just fucking clean and sterile and lifeless yeah yeah we have to go in and and add that shit into it and and 
Yeah, we have the convenient. It's more convenient to record this way. It's a fucking hell of a lot cheaper, you know, because I, I can't afford a fucking $50,000 SSL console that my heroes recorded on, you know. Um, so that that's a big part of it. it is just that dynamic range is a lot different on vinyl. So all of those physical elements that the sound was moving through in the past, you lose that with the digital recording. You lose that and, and you have to add it back in artificially through programs okay. that are, you know, there, there's programs within your recording program. You know, one's right. going to be an EQ or a compressor or tape saturation. They're, they're basically, there's people that have sat down and taken these machines apart to figure out what sound it was that they imparted on a recording. And then they wrote algorithms for computer programs to recreate that. Oh, that's fucking crazy. And, right? <laughs> and, and almost, almost a little obscene. Yeah. Oh, it's pissed a lot of people off. So I feel like the answer to this is going to hundred percent be yes. You, you've seen the documentary sound city. Oh Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I recommend that for the listeners, for anybody who hasn't seen oh, yeah, it, uh, sure. sound city about exactly what we're talking about. Oh, a yeah. lot of it. it, the, the personality of a recording, I guess. Yeah. Cause you know, a recording doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to sound good to be good. You know, right. right. There's plenty of recordings that, I mean, especially being a, you know, old school metal guy, some of my favorite recordings of all time sound like dog shit, you yeah. know, from a, <laughs> a clinical point of view. Clarity does not equal quality. Right, exactly. There's the, the vibe and the songs are always going to be more important, you know. Well, guys, uh, that has been an awesome conversation. We got to wrap it up. Uh, I want just sort of some closing thoughts about neon warlords about what your not what your goals are but just the the feel when you because you guys said you talk about it every day you're excited about it you're energized this is your new uh you you've stumbled into a new addiction basically mm -hmm. uh so just sign us off with some thoughts about this project about where we're at where we're going um basically i'm just extremely excited to like finally get to work with chris i think he's an awesome dude and a great guitarist and i'm really excited about the music that we're making uh it's something that like i never really thought as a singer i mean i i've i've been singing my whole life and uh i i never thought that i would be doing something like this but i'm extremely fucking excited about doing it it's so out of my element and i love it but isn't that sometimes that's the stuff we get most excited about yes for when sure. it is something that's to challenge something that's different something that's that's out of our comfort zone like that's the best shit really absolutely yeah 100 percent. and and this this shit is like very very different than anything i've done but like it's like just hanging out with chris and chris is also a great producer and and like you know we we kind of talked back and forth about you know, uh, different takes and vocal takes and styles and stuff. And I mean, we came up with some shit that I didn't know I was capable of. So uh, I, I'm really 
thrilled with it. Like to the point where I annoy my wife with like, I'm like, Hey, you want to listen to that song again that I did? (laughs) It's like that. She loves it. She does. (laughs) Yeah. And I I guess for my closing thoughts, I'll, I'll reiterate that too. You know, when he was talking about at the beginning, when, uh, our old bands first played together, I knew they were a horror punk band and I was, I don't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure we were getting shit faced in the parking lot uh, beforehand, but I was excited. I don't think I had really heard them, but I was excited because, you know, they're all wearing like cool clothes and makeup and shit. And I was like, yeah, this band's going to be badass." And, you know, knowing that it was a punk band, as soon as they came on stage and Ryan started singing, I wasn't expecting that kind of voice. Yeah. And I didn't even know the guy, but I turned to my wife and I was like, I'm going to fucking start a power metal band with that guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here we are now. And, uh, it, you know, we've, like Took you said, it's theater. awesome working with Ryan. We're on the same page with everything. Uh, I think we really, we want the same thing out of the music. You know, um, we want it to be fun and it can be serious and it can be fun. And I think the, proudest i am is that when people listen to it one thing that comes up over and over and over again is they say it sounds like you guys had a really fucking good time doing this and that's something that you you can't you can't fake that in a recording you can't that's just something that has to be honest and it has to happen And when it does, you know, you're really fucking lucky that you found a combination to where somebody that barely knows you can listen to it and they just instantly get a smile on their face and they're, you know, nodding along and they're, yeah, dude, it sounds like y'all had a fucking blast. And I'm like, yeah, we fucking did. You know, we are. So, you know, we, we want the music to make everyone that hears it as happy as it makes us to work on it. Well, that's perfect because right now the listeners are going to get to hear one of the tracks that you guys have released. But before we get to that, where can we find Neon Warlords online? We are on Spotify. We're on, I can't remember the exact rundown. It's most online music retailers, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, all, all that shit, you know, we're, Chances are wherever you buy music digitally, you you can probably find our shit on there. There yeah. you go. We're all grown ups. We know how to use Google. Neon <laughs> Warlords. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us. And Chris, I 100% want to have you back on for like a two hour, how the fuck do studios work episode. <laughs> fuck yeah, man. Get, let's do it. <laughs> I want to get into it, man. Yeah, all right. Thanks a lot, it, you guys. All right. Yeah. Take care, guys.
You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.